So did a law pass or something where just everything has to be terrible all the time? Uh, yeah, I think that came into effect January 20th of this year. <laughs> so on that note, what, what I'm bringing up. So I was doing some grocery shopping uh, earlier today, and I passed by a Chipotle. And on the window, they're advertising uh, queso is apparently a thing that they're super, super excited about. But the way that they're framing it is not fake news. Queso at Chipotle. Yeah, I don't don't i don't love this neither do i because here well here's the thing like it isn't the whole thing now that like corporations have to be so delicate with who they like because like queso queso chipotle is not they're not like a a coastal elites brand are they like they're nationwide right yes so is is this a thing that trump people would like like this just seems like I I thought the thing like with like Super Bowl ads too like just everything had to be so like apolitical or if you wanted to do that it was just kind of like a yeah American exceptionalism type thing, but yeah this this seems this seems too on the nose, and it's also not funny. Like I think with advertising, well yeah, so it, right, it's not funny. But I think with advertising, there's sort of a a spectrum where on one far end you play it completely straight, you stay very politically correct, you kind of do everything very much by the book. And then on the complete opposite end, there's like leaning into something that's so politically incorrect that you almost just like, because you've put it out there so directly, people like almost are compelled to forgive it or think it's funny or think it's edgy. It's like, it's like the people who are in the middle that get in trouble where it's like they... Like your Pepsi's. They, like, yeah, whole, like but they, what was the what was yes. the Kylie, uh, Kylie Jenner like the thing where she hands a cup of Coke for like the Black Lives right. Matter thing? Yeah, exactly. It's like you you're like trying to play it straight, but then you're kind of trying to be edgy. You're kind of like wanting it both ways, and then you end up just pissing everybody off. <laughs> um, kind. Of, I don't want to bring this too much, but you remember the dog rates controversy, right? Right. Uh huh. Where he had the Kofefe thing, but then he was like, everybody got mad. So then he's like, okay, I'm going to donate it to Planned Parenthood, and then everybody got half of his followers got mad at that because. We're a divided nation. Yes. Haven't been more divided since the Civil War. Hmm. That one's always my favorite. Hmm. Well, so for your example, when you said some companies lean into the extreme, can you give me an example of like a mainstream brand that's done that? I can't think of anybody. Hmm. It doesn't have to be super mainstream, but it has to be kind of. I would say it has to be national. It can't be like a we only cater to Californians type thing. I guess I can't really think of any great examples off the top of my head. Yeah, but that's de- that that that's definitely a thing. I mean, this like this Chipotle picture which you've you've shown me here that says "Not fake news, queso at Chipotle." I mean, that's it, in a somewhat more innocent way, just being overtly sort of edgy or. It's, it's still dumb, though. Oh, it's I mean, it's, yeah. it's dumb. Yeah, no, I, we can agree on that. But like, I don't. Th- like, I don't think that we would be offended by something like this. No, but it's... It's just... But you're right. It's it's just dumb. But a lot of advertising is dumb. So that's... <laughs> it's not anything... Und- understatement of the century. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like if Walgreens uh, rebranded as everything as a bodega. <laughs> that was an... Uh, talk about a super micro controversy that will go away very soon just because either the company won't exist or nobody will care again that was a really dumb thing for a lot of reasons but we won't we won't get into it 
Yeah, it it, it definitely. We'll, we'll put a link into the notes to kind of summarize what what happened here. Um, but this is definitely this definitely falls into the category of something I've mentioned before around the idea that I just I find it really interesting how certain things seem to just completely take off versus other things which kind of seem important flying under the radar. This was totally one of those stories where I saw the headline when it first broke this morning from Fast Company. I like I think any reasonable person who looked at it, it's like god that's dumb and that's exactly why people hate Silicon Valley, you know, kind of that normal reaction. And then I just, you know, didn't really think much of it beyond that. But then it just felt like all day I just kept reading more and more about it. And I just, I don't know, like at first glance, that wouldn't have been a story that I expected to take off in the way that I did, that it did, which is not to say that I don't think it's, you know, it's a good discussion to have. And I'm, I'm kind of glad it's gotten the attention. I just wouldn't have, wouldn't have expected it necessarily. I think just like the post Uber and, um, well, actually, no, they still exist, but like post like peak Uber cactus controversy stuff. And then like that whole, um, like Google manifesto thing. I think we're just kind of like in this like heightened sensitivity slash like just everybody's like just looking for like the worst to possibly come out of Silicon Valley or tech stuff. And like, I can't really tell cause I, I didn't do a lot of research into it. Um, like whether this was just like a really, like if the narrative spun by fast company was what was dumb about it, or if this is actually how the company was framing it, like that is unclear to me. I mean, I think, I guess, I guess every sort of piece like this, the exact relationship that exists between the writer and the subject can differ a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I would presume in a more puff piece type situation like this, that the subject would have quite a bit of say. So, I mean, presumably they, they saw this article and maybe didn't not necessarily approved it but had they had any major concerns probably would have had the opportunity to make some changes mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's probably true um what was the other thing oh yeah do you want to give me your social security number or should i just get it somewhere <laughs> don't else? you don't you already have it <laughs> Uh, let's guess, uh, let's say five, two, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, I, like, yeah. So the Equifax thing happened after our last show, right? God, it's so hard to keep track of time and stories these days, but yes, I think that's, I think that's accurate. So I don't think we have like a lot of insight to share here, but like how, how screwed, like I, what do you, what do you think is actually going to happen with this? Like, well, because it's multifaceted, like not only did more like than more than half the American adult population probably have their information compromised, including their birth date and social security and all the stuff that uh, links towards like the way you prove your identity, even though that's a really dumb way to do it uh, to any type of like financial institution. Um, So there's that part, which everybody's probably screwed for. And then you're trusting the company that totally botched your information to allegedly provide some base level of identity theft protection or something, which is the product that they actually market. Uh, or there's the insider trading thing, or there's like, it's it's all just such a mess. Yeah, so I mean, we, we like to have a lot of fun on this show, but if, if I can be serious for a moment, I mean, this is something like this is really scary 
and I and I'm I'm sure that I've alluded in the fact or in the past rather to the fact that I wouldn't say that I have a laissez-faire attitude towards how I treat my information on the web, but at the same time, I'm definitely someone who has, you know, no hesitation doing really just about anything over the internet, whether it's signing up for services or purchasing goods. I mean, I'll do, you know, I'll do anything through an app or through a web browser just about. But it's things like this that definitely make you kind of reevaluate that that strategy a little bit. But and it's, does it I mean, and, and, Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess we'll have to kind of see over the coming months whether things really do start to come out of this and what that's going to mean for everybody. But I mean, certainly since since this happened last week, I've you know checked a credit report and have kind of made it a to do to to be even more diligent than I was about that in the past it's a like i said it's a, it's a scary thing but the thing is like i don't understand how how you conduct business really impacts this cuz like even if you are more cautious like i feel like doing things online is generally actually more secure because humans are generally the problem. Like if you like, let's say you're dealing with Comcast and you decide to start doing everything over the phone, like or in person, like that seems like that exposes your information towards like. I think a human being directly involved in anything actually makes you more at risk. No, that's that's a good point. Because like this was not because like none of this was because you had enrolled in some type of Equifax or were transacting business with them online. Like they just somehow due to like go, like financial and government sanctioned monopolies became one of the three primary arbiters of your financial uh, history. And they just have all your information and you have to pray that they get it right and keep that information safe. And uh, they have proven generally with inaccuracies on credit reports that they don't do that right. And also now they didn't keep it secure. So since we as a country are okay with using your social security number as your like de facto identifier, which is also problematic for many reasons, uh, this is why we're all where we are. That's all very well said. Yeah. So our our PSA of the week, regularly check your credit report, sign up for some type of credit alert service. There are many, many alternatives outside of this Equifax offering. Oh, can I, can I do a super quick mini pick of the week? Please. Uh, if you're a Discover cardholder, they have a service that they introduced uh, like six months ago before this. Where they will automatically monitor, um, like any like dark web or like or like weird sketchy data breaches for your social uh, in an anonymized way and notify you if anything happens. Yeah, um, Chase does something similar. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, but otherwise we're all probably screwed. But yeah, that that's a good safeguard. You probably shouldn't trust the queso at Chipotle. Um, <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole different topic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I tried really hard to <laughs> have us not talk about the Apple stuff. I think I did okay. We got 15 minutes out of that. Yeah, not not bad. Yeah, this, this is not this is not going to be a good show. <laughs> it's either going to be a 3-hour show or like a 40-minute show. Like it really could go either way. It's going to be 40 minutes cuz I'm going to get super angry and I think cuz I think you're much more forgiving about whatever just happened on t on Tuesdays. <laughs> this could also be our last show. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. Because again, I get access to both audio files. So if if I have to, <laughs> if it's a contentious edit, I think I'll 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 get director's cut. 
Okay. Um, all right. So yeah. So let let's get into the Apple event. Um, and I, I guess my overall thought before we go through the details here is that, and I think I I think I told this to you um, off air, is I feel like we've never known more about an Apple event. Yet at the same time, I've never been completely shocked and still over 24 hours later, just completely dumbfounded by a couple of the announcements and decisions that were made. So it's kind of a weird dichotomy of thoughts leaving this event. But but we'll get get lots more into that as we go along here. Um, so like we normally do, I think it's probably easiest to go through the event chronologically. Um, although I will, in full disclosure, say that I did not see the Steve Jobs tribute at the beginning and did not see the watch segment. I, I picked up I picked up uh, during the Apple TV 4K section. So I guess if we want to speak at all to the Steve Jobs tribute or anything about sort of the way that the Apple Watch was presented, that would be more more in your domain. Yeah, so I actually started late as well. I didn't see the um, Steve Jobs part, but I, I did see the retail update. So that's that's let, let's we'll just breeze through that and, and talk about everything like broadly. Because if you want to watch it or you want like the nitty gritty details, there's a billion other places that are probably better for that. So Angela Aaron's came on stage to talk more about Apple retail. We haven't had one of those um, updates in a while, so they talked about like today at Apple and the whole like you remember like I forget when it was, but the whole meet at Apple thing that they did a while ago. Yes. So they doubled down on that and then doubled down again. So <laughs> because they even, they, uh, I forget what the phrase was. Uh, Apple stores are now like the new town squares. Right. And they will be opening more town squares, um, except those town squares are uh, expensive commercial retail spaces uh, that are there to sell you something. And that um, the average selling price of, of their devices is well into the hundreds and thousands of dollars. But you know they're just like a park, and and they're a community good, and and they're just like a government park. So, so let me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here a little bit, but I'm gonna preface it by saying that I I think the notion of calling them town squares and just the whole way that Apple framed this, I thought was just I don't know, just not it not not something that a lot of people I think are gonna connect with, but. But with that being said, I think there's truth to the idea of what they're trying to capture or the concept that they're trying to capture, which is really from day one of Apple stores, people just people just hang out at Apple stores. I mean, you if you go into an Apple store at any given time, I'd be willing to bet that probably what 70 75 percent of the people in that store have zero intention of buying anything they're just there to browse the products and maybe even use the free wi-fi or or whatever else but like literally they're not there to actually just you know do what you would normally think of doing in a store and just buy something so i i think there's there's truth in in the idea that apple stores are a place that people just go but it it was just a markety, semi kind of gross way that they, I think, tried to convey that. Yes, and and I'm being too negative 
about it, because I think idealistically, Apple kind of does actually think and believe this. And it's not just some like BS marketing speak and like, oh, we're going to get in our stores and we're going to, we're going to monetize the, the, the foot traffic. And like, I don't think they're thinking that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just super negative about when alleged, like, like when like a, a corporation is supposed to like fill in for like actual community and like stuff like that. But no, like you are right. Like, like the Grand Central Station, like I think certain Apple retail spaces are actually probably like that. I think my opinion is colored just when I think that like they're like most Apple stores are in malls. Like you're not going to the mall to go um, just like hang out unless like you're a, a teen or something. Like I mean, well, I mean, not so. I mean, not to interrupt, but I mean, again, to play a little devil's advocate here, I, I, what I just said about walking into an Apple store and noticing that a majority of people are really not there to actually buy anything, I'm I'm sure that holds true in Apple stores that I've been in in malls and in places that you really wouldn't think would be necessarily like, as you would say, a hangout spot. Yeah. I just, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I disagree. I know. Cause I would think that that might be the case at like, you know, like the, the, the grand central station one, um, the, like the, the fifth Avenue one, uh, in New York that they're going to redesign the, the new union square one, like those that are kind of in highly populated urban areas and that kind of stuff. Like, I think that actually kind of is the thing where somebody would say, Hey, go, go, I'm hanging out in front of the Apple store. Like, I think that's a thing. But if we're thinking about like the the Irvine Spectrum Center or the um, just like any random mall, I think that's less likely to be the case where kind of that that doesn't actually ring true. But I mean, whatever, whatever. It's I, 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 it could could be worse. It, I mean, it could be worse. And I I actually I mean I I think also to be fair, I think you made a good point about. I do think that Apple's coming from a genuine place. I, I I agree with you. I don't think they're doing it for some like cheap marketing points, but it's I don't know. It's it's still it kind of it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. I like uh, yeah, whatever. Like that that I just I do I just I just also think like I mean Apple fairly or not already has a reputation of being some somewhat of an elitist brand or kind of a brand for the more you know hoity-toity well-to-do whatever and i just i don't think calling your calling your retail stores town squares is is not gonna help you broaden your appeal at all well yeah like let me try what am i gonna do like start quoting myself but um what what did i as i said something in in uh in slack about this but um like yeah, it's it's a town square for people who are like eighteen to fifty four and like uh, make over a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's just not like it's it's not gonna be the town square of Dubuque, Montana, or something, right? So I don't know. Um, anyway, but like it it seemed cool. Like the new Chicago store, like like Apple makes really interesting retail spaces. Um, like their stores are always very welcoming, and they try to. Like, I think it's noble what they've tried to do in the past decade from, like, the very modest original Apple stores that were kind of at the core of helping them become the company that they are um, to dealing with a company that was transformed by the iPhone and is selling, like, 50 million phones a quarter where they just, they have to deal with just, like, so many more customers. I think, like, the way that they're trying to, tra- like, just adapt retail to that and adapt to a retail climate that is in decline as one of the most valuable companies. Like, I just think all oh, that's super interesting and they're actually doing a pretty effective job at it. I just think some of like the idealistic stuff is a little, 
Yeah, I yeah. agreed. Okay. So was it Apple TV or Apple Watch up next? So it was Apple Apple Watch was first. Okay. Um, so we can kind of breeze through what was announced and then go back and get into to more details on anything we think is particularly relevant. Uh, but as expected, which is, I guess, kind of a precursor we're going to say to most of these announcements here, um, we got the Apple Watch Series 3. I suppose something that I was a little unclear on going into the event was whether the Series 3 was only going to be available with LTE, and if you wanted a non-LTE version, you would simply buy one of the previous generation versions, which they were going to keep around. Uh, but that that was not the case, and I think Upgrade, which we're also probably going to end up referencing quite a bit on this show, per usual, uh, pointed this out, which is, you know, Apple similar to how when the iPhone first was released, you know, has a limited number of partners who they've uh, signed deals with to support the LTE chip in the watch initially. So it really wouldn't make sense to have the watch only be available with LTE because then you're basically cutting yourself off from being able to sell it to anyone who lives in an area where, you know, they don't have a carrier who supports it. So there's the Apple Watch Series 3 with just GPS, and then there's the Apple Watch Series 3 with GPS and cellular. And they, you know, they refresh the entire line sort of as you would expect them to, where there's, you know, still the aluminum version, the stainless steel version, there's still the Nike Plus version, there's the Hermes edition. Hermes. <laughs> right. Um, Sorry, actually, I, don't want, I don't want anybody to make fun of you or write it because you pronounced it wrong. I, I, I pronounced it correctly there. Didn't I? Or maybe, no, no, it's I, Hermes. Uh, oh, oh, you, oh, you're being ironic when I actually did. I'm really not. Thank you. I'm really not. It's, it's... <laughs> yeah, I've come a long way on the show, Carlos. Um, and then they have a new um, edition version, which is now the you know the ceramic version. They've got a new a new color there. But you know, I mean, the seemingly the cellular version works you know, kind of like how you would expect it to. It uses your phone when your phone's nearby. When your phone's not nearby, it switches over to LTE. You know, I think Jeff Williams said this on stage, like this is what Apple wanted the Apple Watch to be from day one. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Like I, the idea that it had to be tethered to your phone was just simply a technical limitation a few years ago. And now that they've got the engineering figured out around the cellular radio in there, you know, this is the product that they, you know, probably wanted to ship from from day one. And I would say that I, you know, I'm I'm super, super excited about it. I I love the idea of in certain situations like going on a run or going to the store, not bringing my phone and just bringing bringing my watch. I think there's a lot of appeal to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 fairly surprised like excluding any leaked stuff that we saw beforehand that it's basically the same design but i think that's a testament to the fact that they got the design right the first time like initially when they launched it i guess like they they figured out along the way like that their digital crown and like some of the design strategies weren't right but the fact that the initial design has stuck um across three generations is actually pretty pretty interesting actually is this the fourth generation series zero one two this no, because no, because series zero got renamed series one when series two came out. Got this it. is the third generation. Got it. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I think that's fairly interesting. Um, and also, one thing that you left off was that uh, 
no more uh no more apple watch series two they just have because again it's it's tim cook's apple uh the series one hangs out at a, at a slightly lower price point yeah i not at all surprised like i mentioned at the top that a previous generation hung around again i i thought that was going to be so that there was a non-lte option but even with that aside i i think it's not a surprise that a older generation is sticking around so they can have that lower entry price but yeah i i am a little surprised that it's series one versus series two although the point was made on upgrade and i mean i think you're a testament of it too right as someone who never upgraded to series two i mean there's not really that much of a meaningful difference between series one and series two so you're it's not it's not like when you go in and buy in series one watch you're getting something that's completely inferior to a series two so well, sure, i mean but sure, I, I but d- the series one's also not that not that cheap it starts out at 250 no yeah, well i mean like, that's... how much how much is the series three non-cellular 330 uh so like gosh the the price the pricing on the apple watch man like Pricing has gotten complicated on a lot of Apple's products, but man, the watch takes it to just a whole different level. But okay, so let me try to break this down. So a aluminum 38 millimeter Apple Watch Series 3 with just GPS starts at 329. Yeah, so that that's two that's 250 on the Series 1. Like, I don't know, like it just seems like there's, because Series 1 does not have GPS, right? Right. Yeah, like that's and, and it doesn't and the, have it doesn't have the certified water resistance. Although, I mean, anecdotally, it seems they're generally okay in water, but it, it doesn't actually come advertised as being water resistant like Series Two and Series Three do. Like this is the same thing with the Apple TV that we'll talk about, where I, I just don't really see the compelling case for either keeping the old one around if it's not aggressively priced. Yeah, I mean, well, I think. That's actually one of the points I wanted to get to at some point, which is I think in all three product announcements, the the watch, the TV, and the phone, the the difference in price between the top of the line and the tier below it is weird. But yeah, we we can we we should get we should get more into that. I think with the both the TV and the phone, I think it's a little a little more interesting there. Yeah. So, um, but in in terms of the updates to the watch, like I mean, it seems great. Like if if you're on a major carrier that's going to have some type of like overlapping. Um, like number share type situation um it's i think it's a pretty solid deal um i can understand the usefulness i'm probably somebody who would um lean more towards discounting the importance of cellular just because i think like even if you think about the bluetooth connectivity on apple watch right now like i tried phone calls on it twice and i'm like this is this is super silly um but in terms of like the idea of like if I want to leave my phone behind. And if some type of super important emergency call where I just have to say like, yeah, like you can do a quick one minute phone call. I think that is that does have some value to it. But I think it's more of just kind of a notification type thing or like being able to relay iMessages on on the cell network. So I think it I think it has some usefulness to it. It's it's a it's a worthwhile update. And if the performance boosts are um like as described, then I think it's it's a worthwhile upgrade, um, and I'm I I will be getting one. Um, I'm happy I sat out series two, but I, like I think it's a it's a good solid upgrade all around. I do too. Yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see, you know, not only what cellular looks like out of the box, but sort of how watchOS four and even thinking ahead to like watchOS five, how 
the software continues to grow, kind of grow with this new this new functionality. Uh, I, I I guess I would say kind of on the the negative side, um, I the so I, I was kind of I was expecting ten dollars a month for the service to you know for all the carriers to to charge that for having your watch added to your plan, mm-hmm. but was was really hoping that maybe they'd find a way to get to something like five because like it feels weird. So I you know, as we talked about a few episodes ago with my cellular iPad, you know, I, I just pay $10 a month to have that be part of my family plan on AT&T. If it feels kind of weird that I'm paying the same access fee for my iPad as I will be for my watch, which is going to do, I mean, uh, just a tiny, tiny fraction of what my iPad does on their network. And in, yeah, in terms of like the, the data uh, consumption, it's going to be insanely low. Uh, yeah. Comparatively. Yeah, I get that. And and with some carriers in the past, like it has been closer to that $5 price point. But I think now that the carriers think, well, now uh, connected devices and watches um, with embedded cellular are going to get mainstream attention, like in the same way that Apple, not to skip ahead with the phone, is supporting a wireless standard that has existed and isn't really their own for a long time. It's its existence in a product that will by the very nature of it being an Apple product, will have like just this built-in advantage and just like this huge push towards adoption. That this is maybe when they don't have to have the price at a point where they're trying to like entice people. Where it's more of like a just you're going to want this, so therefore we're going to price it at what we had wanted it to be the whole time. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. Um, and then the other area that I have some concerns, and this is more just speculation because we just really don't know what the story yet is here, is podcasts. You know, really kind of a a non-issue up to this point, given that because the watch had to be tethered to your phone with virtually anything you wanted to do, you would just, you know, continue to play podcasts through your phone. But now with this idea that going for a run or going to the store or something with just your watch is now more of a possibility. That's really where I would want some type of standalone podcast solution. And I think Apple told a pretty interesting story around Apple music and how that's going to work and how you can just, you know, stream all your music using the watch, but there just, there isn't that same story with podcasts. And I, I think it'll get worked out eventually either directly from Apple or through third-party apps, but I'm, I fear that it's, it's going to be a while. Yeah, based on, because uh, I'm not sure if you listen to ATP anymore, um, Marco has talked at length about kind of what, are we on WatchOS 3 or WatchOS 4? We are on... Or what are we about to be on? We're about to be on WatchOS 4. Yeah, so I think like one of the things he removed in Overcast recently in, in an upcoming build or, or something that already got released was he took away the watch complication or the watch app just because the way he was implementing um, audio playback just wasn't that reliable and it was going to be really unreliable in WatchOS 4. So he's a, a, an intrepid developer. So I think like if he can't get it to work, it seems unlikely that any third party will be able to. And so that that means basically the ball is entirely in Apple's court if they want to support that. So you'd have to see, do I actually want to like duplicate my podcast subscriptions in the Apple Podcast app if they even decide to support it, which I'm not sure they really care to, just because like with like 
memory and battery constraints and all that kind of stuff in like cell in like cellular throughput because like that the lte modem would probably kill battery life if you're pulling down like a 30 to 100 meg podcast episode i think that's different and like a whole another ball of or a bag of worms or whatever the expression is uh, <laughs> uh fuck um, um what is the expression i i'm i don't even know what's happening anymore <laughs> sorry ball of wax or can of worms there you go okay um so i think I like think... Thir- no, hold on. like i think 30 or 100 meg podcast episodes like i think that just adds a lot more complexity than a five megabyte song that they're pushing through apple music and i think like the apple music integration of like this whole 40 million songs on your wrist thing is actually gonna be way less rel- like i don't know, i'm just i'm super pessimistic as to how well that'll work just based on how kind of laggy um the software is tended to be Right. And I, I think the fact that it's not going to be available when the watch comes out a week from Friday is, is kind of a testament to that. Wait, <laughs> what? That's, that's... Yeah. So, so the Apple Music support is not going to be available come next Friday. It's coming. I think they, I think all they said was later this year. It's always later this year. Right. Well, I, like, actually, I, I take that back. I'm sorry. I'm being crotchety. But like, I mean, but it's like, yeah. Yeah. Do, well, like on a brief tangent, like, do you think Apple has become like do you think it's the plan that things don't that features don't ship with the hardware anymore like do you think apple themselves have just become more okay with just wanting to make sure things are fully baked which which is a great strategy um and then just kind of iterating over time or do you think they're just being like we don't want the negative press this isn't gonna be ready to ship I mean, I just, I guess, I and not not to just fall into like total Apple fanboy mode here, but I, I just think that they're they're doing things that are a lot more ambitious than they did five or ten years ago. Like every every year with the phone and now with like the watch and the iPad, these new features and hardware improvements that they're implementing are getting harder and harder and more complex. And the software to go along with those hardware iterations is also becoming more complex. And I, I just think inevitably, even a company who essentially has unlimited resources, you're going to hit some, you're going to hit some limits. And I mean, I think also part of it too is kind of compounded by the fact that they they seem to be really, really fixated on this like June and September timeline each year where they do like these two big events. They're always in the same month. Like I, I think we'd see less of less of this like shipping next month or shipping later this year if they were a little more flexible with when they actually had these events. But don't isn't that already the case? Like wasn't the whole reason why Apple was like like why Apple pulled out of Macworld because they hated being tied to the January time frame for making product announcements and that's why they're like we're doing stuff on our own schedule? No, I, I don't think that was so much about the timing. I think that was just being part of an event that they didn't control. Mm. I mean, they on their new campus, I and mean, we haven't really talked about this because I don't think there's really a lot we can add, but I mean, this was the first event at the Steve Jobs Theater. I mean, they they built their own damn theater to put these to hold these events. Like they clearly want complete control over you know when and how they do these announcements and doing it at some type of third party convention was not going to be something they wanted to do in the long term. Yeah, I I think that that's mainly it. Um in because they didn't have enough time to talk about it on stage, but like 
do you think there's going to be notification relay if you don't have your phone with you? Like, if you're on cellular and you're away from phone range, does that mean the only types of notifications or interactions that you have are text messages and phone calls and maybe email? No, I I would assume that it would be all notifications. Well, but if most of the notifications are generated by your phone, mm. like that's the one thing. Like I'm th- I'm like thinking like, do I get Slack notifications since Slack doesn't actually like it's not running on the watch? Um, so that's one of the like not wild cards, but like that's one of the things. Well, but I've couldn't been the phone about. the phone could relay that sure. notification, right? Well, well, that's what I'm asking. Uh, is that how it's going to work? Not that I mean, oh, like, God, that's a huh. I guess it's like one of those things that was so obvious I didn't really even think about it. But that's a really, huh? Because that's the thing. Like it, without that's why I. I mean, I like the whole like everybody's like I'm gonna go running with my AirPods in my phone in my watch alone, which ugh, I mean, like I'm I, I that like dream that people seem to have. Like <laughs> I've tried to play music twice on the watch on a, on a run with Bluetooth headphones and. It was a terrible experience both times. Well, so, okay, so this, I, I I have such an Apple answer to this question. On the Apple Watch Series 3 website, there's a section. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice. Uh, there's a section on notifications, and it says, leave your phone at home and still get alerts from your favorite apps. The hell does that mean? Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if my favorite apps are phone.app and iMessage. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I I think that probably means that third-party apps can still send alerts directly to your watch, but the photo next to this caption is just the the stock calendar app. So that's not um that's not instilling a ton of confidence. Yeah. It's I I could see it being I could see it being possible where out of the box third-party notifications don't automatically get pushed to your watch but that there is a way for developers to update their watch apps to allow that but then that 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 brings up a couple of different issues like you know a lot of apps that i get notifications for i don't even have the I don't even have the watch app installed. Well, and that's the and thing. Then, like, like, I don't care about interacting with it. I just want to know, like, did I get an important, like, Slack DM while I was away from my phone? Yeah. And well, then, I mean, that also then the other issue is, are developers actually going to go through and if there is work to get, that work that needs to be done to get your notifications to work over cellular, are they actually going to do that? Well, like, yeah, because why would they care? I mean, just because a whole bunch of companies have realize that watch apps were a fool's errand and they've just deprecated support from them and you've may have seen like if you ever accidentally go into the honeycomb like that you you have fewer apps than you used to because they just keep getting removed and again like and i think that's totally sensible because the, uh, the apple watch primarily is a fantastic notification device not a doing stuff device i don't know yeah i am oddly I the these Nike Plus bands are actually kind of cool. I don't know, man. Okay, so I guess maybe let's close out the watch section with. So you you've already stated you're going to buy one of these. So come midnight tomorrow night. What's Ugh. your? Yeah, I know. Well, uh, what's I'm your? I'm not even sure I care. I'll see what's available in the morning. Nah, you 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 do care. You're going to be up with me at midnight tomorrow. Nah. Um. What what's your what's your strategy? 
again, I don't have a strategy. I'll probably be up watching Larry Sanders reruns. Uh, oh, I got a, another pick of the week. I got to double down on. Um, I'm like again, I have a series zero, um, space black, stainless steel. I will just get the same thing. That watch has held up fantastically, and, and I will just do the same thing. And the the bands, um, since with the stainless steel, Apple screws you on what like because like on the sport. They give you like, and it's this is the part that actually is super confusing and, and kind of annoying on their website. Is there are like five thousand combinations of bands and sizes and colors uh, for the aluminum one, and there's only two for the stainless steel. It's, it's either sports band or Milanese, which is eh, not not too awesome. So I'm gonna get a duplicate. I'm gonna have to end up getting a duplicate black sports band. But I mean, what whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of briefly there for a minute thought I had talked myself into getting the stainless steel version as well. I, I've always had the aluminum version and have sort of longingly looked at the space black stainless steel version, but I, I think I'm, I'm going to stick with the, the aluminum, the aluminum version, not only because of the price. I mean, that's the biggest part of it, but also because I really like the, the new gray sports band. And that's obviously going to, you can't get it bundled with the stainless steel watch. And I, it's, I think it'll obviously look nicer with the space gray aluminum watch. And I also have a third party steel band. That's also the same space gray. Like it was designed for the space gray color of the aluminum body watch. Mm-hmm. So put, putting all those things together, I, it just, I think it makes sense for me to stick with the the space gray aluminum. And of course, okay. you know, 42 millimeter with, with cellular. Dang. I thought I would peer pressured you into it, but dang. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, it, it's sharp looking, but, um, because of the bands that I have and because I, I do, I do kind of like, I really do like the space grade color. Um, it's sensible. Well, hold on. In, at, in, at that note, you could then instead just get, uh, space gray ceramic. <laughs> I, I could. Yeah. I could. <laughs> Sorry. There's not just one option here. Yeah, that's um, a fair point. Thoughts on the red dot? Uh, I I don't like the red dot. I think it's really, I think it's really dumb. Well, you know why it exists, right? Literally, just to be able to tell that you have the cellular model, evidently. Yep. Yeah, it's um, it's dumb. I I I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, um, I, I was, I was just going to say too, that I, I do, I love that the $1,300 space gray ceramic edition comes with the exact sports same band. gray sports band that the $329 version does. That's great. Um, all right. So n- enough with the watch. Let's move on to the next product that was announced, which again, as expected was the Apple TV 4k which is the same little uh, hockey puck box you know and love that now supports both 4K and HDR, has the same uh, A10X processor that the iPad Pro does. You know, overall, again, exactly what we thought it was going to be. I, I think the probably the most interesting thing that came out of this announcement was going to be the strategy around content at least in terms of what itunes is going to offer where 4k movies are going to be the same price as hd movies and any 
HD movies which you've previously purchased will automatically get upgraded to 4K when available. So I think that's that's the good side of pricing, and maybe we can just get into straight into the the, the bad side of pricing, which is the well, hold on, hold on before we move on. So I'm sorry, uh, I spaced out for a second. You, you also, I was looking at the watch bands again. Um, so you you covered that uh, the 4K movie pricing, right? I did. Can we uh, acknowledge the elephant in the room? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, we, we okay, yeah, we we can do that before we get into the pricing. So I was uh, of all the it's like semi original um, speculations that I had last week. I was most confident in Disney being a big part of this announcement. I had seen some tweets before the event started that J.J. Abrams, who that same day had been announced as being the Star Wars Episode Nine director and writer, uh, apparently Bob Iger was there. Um, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm feeling feeling really good about this kind of like Disney Star Wars announcement that they're you know they're going to show a clip from The Force Awakens or something in 4K and everybody's going to go crazy. But not only did they not do that, but they had a slide with all the studios who are going to support 4K through the iTunes store at launch. And Disney's not even on that list, which, I mean, again, like Abrams and Iger were, were in attendance. So it's not, it's, I don't think that there's any like rift or anything that's happening between Apple and Disney. So it's, <laughs> it's I don't know, really, really surprising. I could, could not have been more wrong about that. You had predicted Ewoks on stage. Um, right, right. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 I mean, you have to admit it made a it made a lot of sense. It did, kind of. I just think that Disney is is in a very Disney is is both very litigious and very money grubbing as of late. Like I think they they, they get paid, man. Like I mean. Apple. So, so do you think? Do you think? Do you think that's what it was? Is that they just simply were not on board with the way that this content's going to be priced? Yeah, like Apple, for uh, to their credit, is actually generally they try to price like they they're like advocates for the consumer sort of in um, content pricing. Like it back to the ninety nine cent uh, buy the track music pricing. Like maybe. Iger and, and Disney were just like, no, like our content is worth more than $20. Like this is worth more than whatever popular movie is out there. Like these are prime franchises and our stuff gets to be priced at $30. Um, and some of it gets to be rental only for a while. Like I, there were probably just business terms where Apple thinks like just not worth it to us. Um, So I just think they, yeah, they, they have a big ego about them and, and app, like they have purchased a ton of expensive lucrative franchises that they will be running into the ground but like i mean like that's just what disney is yeah so we'll we'll put a link to this in the notes it's a, a fortune article that i guess references an original uh wall street journal source who seems to indicate that the D disney being the lone holdout among hollywood studios is is primarily due to the the pricing so i guess guess that makes sense yeah um, and that that goes hand in hand with their whole thing that they're going to have um, their streaming service come out in 2019 that will be the exclusive home of like any streaming Star Wars stuff or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, in terms of the hardware and, and the pricing there, um, how much were the old Apple TVs before before Tuesday? 
They were 150 and 200, right? Maybe 160 and 200? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. So now this new one costs $179, and you can double the storage space to 64 gigs. They're still unclear as to why that matters um, for $20. Okay, so somehow memory got cheaper there, except on the iPads, it's now more expensive. Um, And the fourth generation, like the as of Monday, newest Apple TV, that hangs around for $150. Yeah, so we alluded to this earlier, and I think this is where that kind of odd pricing strategy really, really shows up. I, I just... I mean, obviously, I guess if you're someone who doesn't have a 4K TV and you want an Apple TV, it would be kind of a no-brainer just to get the, you know, the $149 version. But I mean, if you're someone with a 4K TV, I this like the idea that there's only a $30 difference between the non-4K model and this model is really strange. Like I, I'm surprised and disappointed that they didn't find a way to have the previous non-4k version be $99 and for this new 4k version to come in starting at 149 I'm I'm really really surprised that they they didn't make that happen but in the, and the thing is like this means that the when when was the fourth generation Apple TV released ish uh man I I don't don't recall let me introduce 2015 okay so in two years, it has not gotten any cheaper to make because it is the exact same price it was Monday. That's the part that throws me for a loop. Oh, it they, is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's really strange. And like, I know, like, because uh, this is going to go along with our premium phone slash ultra premium debate coming up, but like, I know Apple doesn't always look at their competition, but Chromecast starts at $35. The premium Chromecast uh, Chromecast is $69. The Fire TV stick is 40 bucks. The nice Fire TV is like 80. Like Roku's like most and I know their whole business model and everything is different, but like how much is their like ultra premium streaming box? It's still like 89 or $99, right? Well, so I thought that on uh, on upgrade, they, Mike and Jason referenced that both the 4K version of the Fire TV stick and the one of the 4K Roku's both are like a hundred bucks. So the Roku, so there's, God Jesus, okay, like the, the, maybe the, there's there's uh, a point to Apple not having so many models. So uh, there, uh, Roku has three models that support 4K. There's the Roku Premiere, the Premiere Plus, and then the Ultimate. Oh jeez. <laughs> um so the Roku Premiere which supports 4K is only $59. The nicest one the Roku Ultra is 99. Wow. Yet yet Apple's entry level Apple TV is still $150 and apparently they could not find the economies of scale to somehow reduce the price in 24 months. Like that's like that's where I th- I continue to think does Apple think this is still a hobby? Cuz like they're not like I don't know man. I like it. Like it, it, like even if it did nothing but was a screensaver box, I'd love it. But <laughs> I don't think their heart is in it if they can't find a way to, because the software, like just so much of the device is un, is not competitive. So, sorry, not not to interrupt, but no, no, go for it. Oh my gosh, I, I'd forgotten about this. So it's so yeah, so it's it's a hundred and seventy nine dollars, and you know what does not come in the box? HDMI cable, right? Of course. 
you literally cannot use this out of the box. This is like... Well, no, you can. Well, the, the thing is, like, so Apple, to make sure they meet their environmental quality standards, like, I think gold is not actually that recyclable because they need to make sure that you go to Best Buy and buy your gold monster uh, monster cables. And Apple stuff is notori- notoriously difficult to set up, so you need the the black tie... Um, wait, no, that's Pete's. The, the gold... <laughs> wait, no, the... Um, the 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 clip on tie uh premiere install thing man that's that's incredible like i i get that like that one i don't think is that egregious even though well actually does mm. roku include it let's see th- this is like this is the this is like the same thing as like printers back in the day that did never came with the mm-hmm. usb cable that you needed well, like um, the the oh, Touch Bar MacBook Pro I bought didn't include the fucking USB C to USB adapter on a two thousand dollar computer. Like well, it's that weird but stuff. That, well, but I mean, but literally, like in the case of Apple TV and with the printer example that I used, you literally cannot use the product without buying a separate cable. I mean, in, in your example, you can you can still use your laptop. I can't you're, plug an iPhone into it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're limited in what you can do with it, but you can at least use it. So, uh, I mean, it's it's not it's not really. I mean, it is about the price, but like also just I, I just I don't know how you can get away with selling a product that you literally can't use out of the box without buying this other thing. That's just that's totally against what Apple claims to be good at, which is the like customer experience and specifically the sort of like out of like unboxing experience well i'm sure the box is very elegant <laughs> yeah because it doesn't have an hdmi cable in it um yeah i mean what what are, like this this is just they got they got to maintain that uh that those margins man mm. and and the remote is still basically untouched um and the, like, I've been using the Apple TV more just because I like I'm on this Larry Sanders binge, um, but like that remote is so gosh dang frustrating. Where I'm gonna have to buy one of those um, uh, Amazon like silicone things. Like there's um, like you know how like uh, what's her name? Um, Joanna Stern posted a link to this. It's a silicone case that's kind of weighted on one side, so you always know which side is up on the remote. Like now I'm gonna have to buy one of these damn things. I don't know. Do you have difficulty with a remote? Kind of. I, to be perfectly honest, don't use it a lot because I I just have my Harmony remote set up to control the Apple TV. So nine times out of ten, I, I just I just use that. Uh, that I makes b- sense. Very very rarely use the Siri remote. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I guess some other little uh, tidbits and notes from the TV. You know they went into the upgraded TV app a bit, explaining that they're going to have more local content from a bunch of new countries. They're going to have live sports. But they, especially with the sports section, sort of failed to get into any sort of specifics as to like how that was going to work and which teams and networks were going to support it. Like kind of what even the like, requirements were like do, do are these just going to be carriers that already support like the single sign-on um offering that they have like they're just there was no no details about how this was going to work 
Yeah, like the implementation, like it's just totally not there. Like you don't, you, yeah, you don't know if these are just like you have the Fox Sports or ESPN app, and those like have little like tidbits that it sprinkles into the TV app, or if this is like a you know, a Comcast isn't playing ball with Apple TV or Apple doesn't want to play ball with them. That this is only going to be available to like Hawaii cable or whatever, whatever like the three people that support single sign on are. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. I mean, I. I thought I don't remember if this was Jason or Mike. I think I think it was Jason on, on upgrade. He he made he had like he encapsulated this perfectly where he said that the TV app is what Apple envisions TV should be if everybody just got along. But the reality is that everybody doesn't just get along. Well, and Apple's the one that causes them to not get along because they want them to get well, get along on their terms. Well, no, because I, I don't know if you can put the I don't know if you can put all the faults of the cable industry on Apple, but. I mean, I don't think that certainly they don't help the problem a ton, but I, I'm not sure you can put all the blame on them. I, I, I will not make a political example. All right. Um, so I think that's it for the TV thing. Um, can I go back to the watch for one quick thing? Uh, yeah. Uh, is the Apple Music integration Series 3 exclusive or is that a watchOS 4 thing? Um, good question. I mean, they only really... Um... Well, I mean, you can. I mean, you can use Apple Watch on your, on your watch now, or Apple Music. Sorry, on your watch now, can't you? I don't think you can call up music, which that's the whole thing about this one. No, I think I think you totally can. Yeah, you can. Like, I'm I'm not even an Apple Music subscriber, and I I see access to like Beats One. Well, no, but like um, actually searching out an artist in a song. Um. Well, it says here, so choose a music source to play from, and I can choose between my phone and my watch, which actually reminds me, that's probably going to be my temporary podcast solution, is I'm probably going to have to sync like literal like MP3 files from iTunes to my watch before I go on a run, which that's going to be super fun. Um, but I mean, I got, I've never used Apple Music on my watch, so I guess I don't know. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, was iPhone up next? Yeah. So I think we got to get into the, the main event here. All right. This is where we have to uh, put the explicit tag. <laughs> uh, so for the, the third and final time here, I'll use the precursor as we expected. Uh, we got three new iPhones, the iPhone 8, the iPhone 8 Plus, And I'm so excited to be able to use this joke for the first time on the show the iPhone 10 or the iPhone X, as you would say. I have literally never made that mistake. <laughs> God, I'm going to use that so often. It's going to be great. And now I have to allot oh, two hours a week to edit the show, so I can edit all that now. It's the only, the only good thing about the name is I get to make that joke. Uh, but anyway, so let's let's go through these things. So starting with the the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 8 Plus, you know, largely a similar form factor that we've seen now with the 6, the 6S, and the 7. The most notable difference being that the back of the phone is now glass as opposed to aluminum. And that's essentially to be able to support the Qi wireless standard that they've adopted here. Except that's not true. I mean, that's that's one thing that has come up a whole ton that I want, that I want to refute. There are plenty of Android phones that have aluminum backs that charge uh, wirelessly just fine. Oh, continue. Okay. I, I did not know that. Um, 
It could be for aesthetic reasons, I guess, too. I mean... Well, again, they're recycling the iPhone 6 design for a fourth year in a row. So yes, they need to make it look slightly different. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, all the obvious upgrades, um, you know, fa- better, faster processor, better camera. Um, the iPhone 8 continues to just have a single lens compared to the iPhone 8 Plus's dual lens system. That was a little disappointing. I, I thought there was a chance that maybe both phones would have the the dual lens system, particularly in what Mike brought up on upgrade around the idea that iOS 11 seems to be leaning really, really heavy into new things that the dual camera system can do. And it seemed like it might have made sense for all new iPhones to be able to take advantage of that. Um, but that is not the case. Uh, three three colors, space gray, silver, and a like a new kind of rose goldish color, like a new shade of gold, basically. Um not sure what else there really is to say about these. Did I, did I miss anything big? Um, now I think that's it. I think because you, you, you covered the processor, right? Same as the iPhone X, the A10 Bionic ha, or see, 11. See, you did it. You did it. Thank you. No, no. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Yep, yep. Uh, no, I, no, I didn't actually. It, it, you, you did though. Uh, I'm in your head now. <laughs> um... Uh, <laughs> oh man that's so good I, uh, can i can i explain why that probably just happened sure so i'm on <laughs> i'm on the product page looking at what's in the box and it still ships it doesn't ship with a USB-C cable it's still a cable i can't plug into my computer so that's where that's where that's where my rage went so that's why i made the mistake one of the one of the fun tidbits that um that came out after the event is that all i think all three new iphones support fast charging where you're going to be able to get the battery up to 50 percent in 30 minutes but in order to be able to do that, you need one of Apple's USB-C power bricks and one of their Lightning to uh, USB-C cables, which I think the power brick is like 49 or $59. And then that Lightning to USB-C cable is like $39. So it's, you're, you're like 70, 80 bucks in to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um. But okay, so yeah, I, I don't. I, I guess maybe we can get a little bit more into the wireless charging thing before we get into the the iPhone ten. Um, my my biggest take on that is, I always kind of made the assumption that the reason that Apple hadn't gotten into, and I actually I want to from this point forward stop calling it wireless charging because it's not wireless charging; it's inductive charging. I've always thought the reason that Apple didn't get into that earlier was because they were going to bring. I, what I thought was probably going to be some completely proprietary system that, at least in their opinion, and, and hopefully actually really moved inducting inductive charging forward in a way that one of these current standards hadn't. So it's 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 kind of it's surprising and disappointing that after all these years of waiting that Apple basically just came out with an inductive charging solution that it kind of seems like they they could have done like a couple of years ago i mean, am i am i missing something there not at all so i'm just yeah i just i i'm not really sure like we waited all this time for it in the iphone and we kind of just got what we should have gotten a while ago i mean i think it's 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 nice that they've kind of just gone with an open standard 
I think there's a lot of value in that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad they didn't end up going with a more proprietary solution. Well, I think they were forced to. Like, on that note, like, I think that Apple probably thought that they had tried and probably failed to create something that was dramatically better. So therefore, they thought realistically, since this is a thing we want to like go worldwide and is a thing that everybody adopts, they're like they it can't be proprietary because like Starbucks and like like just like out in the world like uh, Starbucks hotels airports, a lot of people have actually instituted some form of wireless charging because like it's been around since the Palm Pre, like they're, they're like in two thousand ten, like it's a thing that exists. So it would be really like cocky which is not actually not an apple thing that is a patently apple thing to say you know what we're going to make the world undo whatever they've already done to support our phone um because like the value of wireless charging as a feature is if it exists other places it's not just so that you can have a pad on your desk that you can charge from because you can always you can just have another usb cable like that's not actually that compelling a feature then the cool part of wireless charging and that kind of stuff is if you go to a hotel room Instead of and, they, and when the hotel finally decides to upgrade all those uh, thirty pin connector alarm clocks with something that has wireless charging, that whether you have a Note eight or a iPhone ten, um, that it'll just work. So that's I, I think that they just didn't really have an option unless they had something that was that compelling. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. Um. All right, so I guess time time for the the truly main event here. So the the, the iPhone ten or again X, as you would say, you know, I, I, in in some ways, I guess there's there's not a ton to say about the, the device itself. I mean, we've we've seen this form factor for months now. We've learned a ton about some of its features, including Face ID, in the weeks leading up to the event. So there wasn't a ton that we that we didn't know. Um, I guess, is, is there anything you want to get into about the device before we get into the the naming convention, which I think is kind of the, the, the big surprise here? No, I just want to preface that like, I'm, I really like iPhones and Apple and I'm just, I'm going to be really negative because like a lot of like my pent up frustration with like a lot of weird stuff is going to come up. But overall, like I'm, I'm, I'm not an Apple hater. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll preface this entire discussion by saying, I desperately want an iPhone 10. You could be much more on the positive side of this, I think. Maybe. All right. Um, let's see. Okay. So, so I again, I, I kicked off this whole Apple event discussion by saying that, you know, we kind of knew everything going into it, but that there were two really, really surprising things that I'm still kind of struggling to get my head around. So the first is the naming convention i i just cannot believe that they, they there's an iphone 8 and an iphone 10 and no iphone 9 and i i, I can't believe that they you know I, I we've joked about it a couple of times now but i i legitimately can't believe that they didn't just call this iphone x um i i think that's super confusing today and i think it's going to be even more confusing like, ne- like I don't even know what they do now next year with the naming convention. I, just su- super, super confusing. And I, I mean, I'm pretty sure when this whole three iPhone rumor started months and months ago, that one of the things that we talked about, I probably right on the show, was that there's absolutely no way that 
Apple's going to have a situation where all three of these phones aren't available on the same day. Like, how could you possibly sell like some of the iPhones, particularly the kind of lesser iPhones one day and then not have the, the top of the line iPhone ship until later. Like that would just be insane. Like they're just not going to end up selling any of the other phones, but that's exactly what they're doing. The, the iPhone eight's available a week from Friday and the iPhone 10 is not available until November 3rd, which is, I just, it just, it just blows, blows my mind that that's the position that they, they put themselves in. And, Maybe I'm thinking about it too much in a bubble and maybe there's just mm-hmm. maybe there's just a ton of people that don't care and are going to rush out to buy the iPhone 8 and be perfectly happy, but I'm I I I'm still just I'm really surprised these aren't all coming out together. Okay. So I think you're combining like three different arguments or three three different three different points. So first I think was the name um I, I maybe next year is when it becomes it stops being called iPhone and it's Apple phone and they think it's a fresh start. I think that's potentially likely. Um, maybe it sticks with iPhone, but it becomes nameless. Um, like I, I don't think that's that weird. I think what is weird, like because like with because you think the Mac isn't actually even that popular, but so many people call it Mac OS X, even though it was always OS ten. And I thought that was maybe one of the motivations behind calling it Mac OS, even beyond the point of just trying to unify stuff like tvOS, watchOS, all that kind of stuff. So I think that is weird that they would do that knowing that they've lived, like so many of the Apple executives, like they they know they've lived through 15 years of people calling OS X OS X. Um, so, so it's an awkward name, but I, I get it. Like it's, it's the allure of like the 20th anniversary Mac. Like, it, like you, you want to have that anniversary thing and X is a cool letter, but calling it 10 sounds better and makes like, I, I, I get it like that and not calling the iPhone eight, the seven S like, I think just like sounds better. It, it makes sense. Um, the ship dates. I don't think this is what Apple wanted. I don't think it was for lack of trying. I think that um, Apple is just like they are great for in-house manufacturing with um, processors and that kind of stuff, which they do outsource to different uh, chip fabricators and that kind of stuff. Um, But they're still beholden to outside suppliers for a lot of other things like uh, memory and specifically with this one. Uh, Samsung is the only company with the engineering talent and max, uh, manufacturing economies of scale and, and like that output to uh, ship OLED in the quantities and the um, the quality required. Like uh, LG and a few other manufacturers also do OLED, but they can't do it as well as Samsung. Um, so they are reliant on another supplier. Like I don't think uh, Samsung is artificially like constraining supply or anything like that, but it's it's tough that this is the technology they want to incorporate and they can't output enough of them. And I think maybe the um uh like they were hampered by trying to get touch ID under the screen and maybe there were some other things that caused production delays. Whatever it is, I don't think Apple actually wanted it to ship late. I think they wanted it to be a day and day thing. I think like maybe they could have started shipping earlier, but they're like, you know what, like just having it be super constrained and selling out and the ship date being pushed out to November or December almost immediately would be even worse. So I think they just did what they had to do. 
Is it a bummer? Yes, but it is what it is. Well, on that last point, I <laughs> I fully expect that within minutes of the pre-orders going up on October 27th, that ship dates are going to slip late November, December. So I I don't I don't know if pushing the initial launch to November 3rd is going to alleviate that much. I think it might. Um but also I do think to to go back to I think how you ended your um initial um your opening remarks, you uh, said you live in a bubble, and I think you really do. I, I think we we both do. Like I, I think this goes. We'll talk about the pricing very soon, but I, I think the iPhone 10 is going to negatively impact the sales of the iPhone 8 and the 8 Plus. Uh, we talked about that at length on the layout on the last episode, and overall, will do probably more harm to the product line than good. Um. But I think also the addressable market that is okay with a phone that starts at $1,150 is smaller than you think. I think there's a lot of people who think this is cool, and but that 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 that's that's a mortgage payment for a lot of people. Yeah, no, and I, you know, and I, both my sister and the lady friend. They they're both due for upgrades, and I of course you know shared the news with them yesterday, and they're both like, oh yeah, cool, I'll just get an iPhone eight. So mm-hmm. you know, so I I I do I do think that maybe I'm just in a bit bit of a bubble here, but I can't help there's I can't help but think that there's going to be some percentage of people, and I I guess the the million dollar question is what percentage that is, but who are going to go into the store on um what is it september when do these 22nd. Phones? 22nd yeah and say okay you know i want i want that new fancy full screen iphone and you know you're going to have to say well sorry that's that's not coming out for a while and then they're going to you know lose lose a sale there but maybe they don't even care because then they're just going to end up buying an iphone a month later anyway so i don't know maybe maybe i'm overthinking this whole thing uh a little bit like i think it is i think it is um detrimental to the success of the overall product line t- for it not to be both launched at the same time where consumers can make an educated decision because i do think yeah you're right that not having them both launched at the same time um is going to even if somebody would ultimately have said no i want the iphone 8 i think it will either um delay sales or uh make them not happen do you have anything else before we uh, jump into pricing um actually so yeah i guess a couple of maybe hardware features um something that i actually just thought of now so that so as expected oled screen they're calling this the super retina display seems you know seems really impressive as you would expect it to um one of the things they called out was that it's now a true tone display which is nice but something i just thought of now is they they didn't say anything about it having the faster refresh rate like the iPad Pro does, did they? Yeah, it does not have ProMotion. Huh. Huh. Okay. That's huh. That's or interesting. I'm, I'm fairly certain that is the case. No, I, 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 mean, I. Seems like it'd be a no-brainer to mention if it did. Um. Oh, that's so strange. I mean, last year's phone, it seemed like it was going to have True Tone, and it ended up not having it. And then this year, it seemed like. At least the iPhone 10 would have promotion, but it doesn't. Hmm. So that's a little disappointing. But 
Um, otherwise, you know, all indications have been that it's it's a really it's a really great screen. Um, and then I guess maybe the last thing we we can chat a little bit about before pricing is, you know, I think the the biggest question mark on this phone continues to be Face ID and how well slash not well that's going to work. Um, I just I I don't I think I guess it's just too early to say, and we're going to have to wait until people actually have these phones out in the wild. But I I continue to be a little skeptical of it and continue to just think about all the times that I unlock and look at my phone in situations that I just don't think would work with face ID. And I, I, I just, I don't know if that's just something that you'd get used to and it's no big deal, or if it really is going to be kind of detrimental to using the phone. Yeah. That's a, that's the decision you got to make. All right. Well, let's get into the, let's get into the pricing. Mm-hmm. So, so starts at eleven fifty. Starts at um. Did you did you just make it? Just make a joke? No, I'm not sure it's really a joke. I think it's the truth. <laughs> I I think so. In if we're if we're scorecarding this or if we're grading a little bit of like our predictions, I think I came closer to the to the reality on price, right? I, yeah, I think I think that's accurate. I think my predictions were nine ninety nine for one hundred twenty eight gigs, and I think I said like twelve hundred or twelve fifty for five twelve. Uh so I was wrong. But uh, it starts at nine ninety nine for a sixty four gig, and uh, eleven fifty for a two hundred fifty six gig. Um, so in that case, it starts at eleven fifty because who is buying this phone? Uh, that does 4K, 60 frames a second video, all this stuff. Your apps are going to get bigger because they need 3x assets now. Um, who's buying the 64 gig of this phone? Nobody. They're going to produce exactly eight of them worldwide, and like, it's just not even a thing. So it's an eleven hundred fifty dollar phone. Hmm. Would you call that a premium phone, or would you call like? Because this is this is this is now premium, is what I'm being told. I always thought that 650 was premium, but apparently that's not premium. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would consider, I would consider it a, a, a premium phone for sure. Okay, you don't think it's a different class? Like, so then what? Then what is the iPhone 8? Is that also a premium phone, or what? Like, what is that? Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think these are, I think these are all premium phones. It's a big range. Yeah, it is. But I mean, as we discussed ad nauseum last week, there's a big range on lots of different products, including the including the Ford Fiesta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, I uh, but I but I trapped you. I put you in a logic trap, and 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 it, that ended up being the price of the iPhone eight. Exactly. Okay. So I mean, uh, do you think that uh, the 64 gig model is for anybody? Not on the 10. No. Exactly. So. So this, so the fact that that phone exists, it is just a cheap marketing ploy to not call us a phone that costs over eleven hundred dollars. Fair. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe taking a step back. So yeah, something that I I guess we didn't talk about, but which is certainly connected with this pricing discussion is the fact that they've now gone from three to two storage options across the board. Mm-hmm. And I just I just don't know if that's the right decision. Well, I mean, I think I think that's something that because you know Tim Cook loves uh, simplified product lines, so I think that's something that they have to do when they're selling five generations of iPhones at once. I mean, yeah, that's 
that's prob that's probably right that's probably right <laughs> sorry i i was kidding uh, like well no i mean i i, I mean that, that has to be part of it right is, well but you but you don't think they should just discontinue the 6s and and tim shouldn't think that he can just sell everything to everybody at all price points like why does the 6s still exist if you have this ultra premium phone which is what i'm going to call it you have the premium phone which is the iphone 8 then you also have the iphone 7 and then you have the se which is hanging out over there which which is a totally valid like i mean that that i think that phone is it's a smart strategy it, it needs to exist but like the why 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 keep the success around yeah, I I don't have a good answer to that. So, like, I I actually like no, I think I do. Even it, like all joking aside, I do like the two capacity thing, and I do like that. Um, sixty four gigs is now like because sixty four gigs is the new sixteen gigs. Just like when you now see that like every app is like over a hundred megabytes, regardless of what it does. Like I think that that makes sense. Um, I yeah, I guess, but I I just think that the two options on the 10 are are weird well yeah again i think it's if they had their way it would be one model one model one skew in, in two different colors but again they don't want to admit the phone costs what it costs and that's that's it hmm. who buys a thousand dollar phone with only 55 gigs of usable memory yeah it's, i just i just i guess i would have thought that if there were going to be like if you told me before the event, okay, the iPhone 10 is only going to have two storage sizes, I would have probably guessed 128 and 512. Mm -hmm. I would have too. Yeah, it's it's strange that it's the same two configurations as the eight. That that part doesn't really make a ton of sense. And I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't think. I don't also don't necessarily think that 64 and 128 are the right choices maybe for even the eight as well i think 64 is is it only 128 is it the the so the iphone 8 i i thought it was i thought it was 64 and, and 256 did i say 128 yeah oh sorry no i, okay. I, I thought both new models were 64 and 256 yeah i, I might have said 128 sorry man and it is 64 and 256 but it's 700 and 850 dollars hmm Okay, I thought the I thought the storage bump would have been a hundred. Okay. Yeah. Um I just don't I don't think either of those numbers is are are right. I think sixty-four is not enough for a lot of people, even people who don't realize it. And I think two fifty six is too much for most people. Uh, yeah, well I I think sixty-four gigs is it's too much for the entry level user. But not enough for the mid to high end yeah, user. Yeah, right, right. So that's where thirty two. Like I think that's like where one twenty eight, like was a pretty good sweet spot for a lot of people, including me. I mean, I have a I have a hundred and twenty eight gigabyte phone now. Yeah, so the, it's strange. Like again, I think I'm really not trying to be like a downer here, but like I think most of this is just kind of Apple tightening the screws, where they're trying to drive up that ASP. Because none of none of these decisions are consumer friendly decisions, which is fine. Like they're a for profit company, but I think almost every change is designed to force you to the next higher one. Yeah, I I, I think so too. But I just if that was the strategy, I guess they I I guess I wish they would have stuck to the three option strategy where you had like sixty four, one twenty eight, two fifty six. Because then I just I think that you you give options that are more applicable to most people. Well, but that's the difference because like, I mean, before, like in, in terms, like just like one of the most basic lessons of like, 
like selling psychology is like it's just like the good, better, best. Like you always want to give the person they like people shy away from the extremes. So you want to give them that middle choice. But if you now only give two choices and one seems like not enough, they're just automatically going to be defaulted into that higher capacity or that higher that next um price point. Seems kind of lame, but that it is what it is. Yeah, I guess I guess that's right. Yeah, I mean again don't get me wrong like i'm of i'm gonna get the the 256 of this phone but it but it it just like all of it like it's all it's all creeping up which is okay i mean it's yeah i mean i guess you know we kind of put the disclaimer at the front of the of the iphone conversation but i mean disclaimer over this entire discussion you know come tomorrow night i'm gonna pre-order a 4k apple tv and a new apple watch and then come the following thursday or i guess two thursdays from then i'll be pre-ordering this this new phone i mean i'm you know i'm totally into all the stuff and i'm I'm really really excited about all three products i 4k and the tv is exactly what i've been waiting for cellular and the watch is exactly what i've been waiting for and an exciting new form factor in the phone is exactly what i've been waiting for i mean these are all these are all things that i've been waiting for for the last couple of cycles and i'm super super excited about it but i but i do think that there's a lot here to critique it's not it's not all perfect yeah i don't know i i there's there's a ton of this that i don't like but again i'm so locked locked in is the wrong word but but like just like the apple software ecosystem is genuinely better than than the competition so that is the thing where because you like the software ecosystem and the way that works you are locked into the hardware ecosystem and i think that's where like you end up getting stuff like this, which which is just a lot of strange decisions um, and stuff that's maybe I don't know. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get it and and it's it's fine, but it's it's a lot lot a lot of weirdness to it. Um, so can we talk can we talk a little bit about the uh, the design and kind of like the big overarching things about the iPhone 10? Yeah, please. So let's let's screen. So it's a. F- 5.6 inch like diagonally what is it 5.8 i think okay so 5.8 inch diagonal million to one contrast ratio led display which everybody has said universally is just amazing which looks great um what do you think uh, so first do you think this is an edge-to-edge display in the spirit of the term no i i don't <laughs> good or i mean like and it's and it's not it's not just because of the notch although that certainly is a part of it but there there is literally still a bezel around this phone mm-hmm. it's just it's just really small mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and like that and that that is the thing where i just it th- because like there is still a bezel like you kind of wonder like so then why are you trying so hard to engineer around like that what what did they call that like string of sensors like they had a special name for it oh the well, the they didn't uh, they didn't call it the notch <laughs> no but like um yeah i i forget yeah but like th- like they're doing so much to engineer around it and developers are going to uh, app developers are now going to have to do so many uh, like they they're, they're going to have to design for this ultra premium phone um uh, even though that won't be that big a part of the market and have to th- rethink so much of their design. So like Gruber linked to this 
design video that was very concise at 13 minutes and talked about all the considerations you'd have to make as an app developer. And there are a lot of them. Well, and, and you know, let me jump in here and say that. So obviously, yeah, the, the notch is something that you consider, but I would also just point out the the resolution too. So this is a this is a new resolution to the iPhone. It's not some simple, you know, 2x multiplier or something of of a previous resolution. This is something completely different, which is very similar to the 10.5 inch iPad Pro, where it's just, it's a new unique resolution. And like I've shared it on the show, if you're a developer who's not using the, I always forget what this is called, the class sizes or some, something like that, where your your app is basically resolution agnostic and will just scale itself no matter what the resolution is. So if you're using auto layout. Auto layout. And UI kit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, and I can tell you from using the iPad Pro that major apps, including Gmail, Facebook, and others, still do not support the 10.5 inch iPad Pro's resolution. I, I just checked before we started recording tonight, and so they look fuzzy and you know like blown up 9.7 inch apps because that's what they are. And so there's going to be some period of time where apps don't look right on this phone. Well, so it's not even like it's even beyond that because again, like this is a like if you look at the um, what's the what's that term? Pixel density. Uh, it's like, again, you need three X assets for all this, for anything to look right. Right. Because it's even like, um, cause it's like 450 pixels per inch. So like, that's a whole, like, it's not even just, does it scale to look proper? Um, actually what even happens if, um, like, are there black bars? Like it was on the iPhone five. Like, how is that going to play no. out? Well, no. So I mean, I can, t- well, I'll tell you what the 10.5 inch iPad pro does is the app is just blurry. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's, it's clearly taking the 9.7 inch app and just blowing it up to fill the 10.5 inch resolution. Well, no, but the aspect ratio is the same on that one. On this one, it's totally not. Mm, mm. I would assume that it would just sort of stretch the app, basically. But if, huh, but if you're not using auto layout, that doesn't, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember how the iPhone 5 transition worked and i remember it was it was, it was long, there there were bars there were bars right i think so yeah i think i think there were there were bars at the the top and bottom okay so screen's probably gonna look great but but it's gonna need the app support behind it and i i'm you know i'm hopeful that the iphone 10 would push adoption maybe a little quicker than the the 10.5 inch ipad pro which i i think goes without saying is an even more of a niche product than the iphone 10 is but I mean, again, we're—I mean, the the iPad Pro has been out since June, and again, major apps, Gmail, Facebook, no support. So, you know, if these major if these major app providers aren't supporting um, these new resolutions, then I don't know what that's going to mean for you know, kind of smaller or mid-range third-party apps. Yeah, yeah. And well, so let me ask, what do you, not, not to change the subject too much, but like, what do you think the future is of this phone? Like, do you think this is a one-off? Like, do you think the iPhone 11 or like the first Apple phone, whatever it happens to be, do you think it is just this? Like the, the, maybe a notchless version of this? Or do you think this is like a weird aberration? I have no idea. Um, yeah, I thinking 
I know it's kind of funny to start speculating about next year now, but like it's I too early to think about twenty twenty. Yeah, um, I just I can't help but think of what this year's announcements means for next year, just because I I do think that this year in particular really makes the roadmap going forward even more unclear. I I I definitely think that Apple's ideal vision for the iPhone is a true edge-to-edge display, finding some way to get the cameras up front to be, I don't know, hidden somehow underneath the screen. I, I think that's what they really want to get to. They're, I don't. They're not going to get there next year. That's I, I would assume eliminating the notch is going to be at least a two to three year kind of process. Um. But like, yeah, I have absolutely no idea if, like, I, I could see maybe maybe next year the iPhone 10, like whatever the next one is called, the Apple phone is, as you've been saying, like, I don't know if they just come out with an improved version of that, or if maybe they come out with this one and a bigger version of that, like they come out with basically the, you know, the Apple phone plus, um, I, I, I have, I have no idea. Maybe they do take the OS 10 route and it's the iPhone 10.1. And 10. I, oh, and just, I, just, damn it. I, I thought of that joke this afternoon and I forgot to either send it to you in the thing or write it down. But yeah, I, I was, I was thinking about that. Uh, iPhone 10.1, uh, Jaguar. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then, and then when there's one that that's not very updated, it's going to be a, a, sn- a snow phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, iPhone, iPhone 10.6, John snow edition. Uh, I don't even watch that show. So I don't know what that means. Nice. Nice. Um, it's it's going to be yeah i i i just don't know cuz again apple doesn't want to make less money and not to, man i sound like such a i sound like bernie sanders um i just don't like i they want to keep this price point so are they just always going to have this kind of like ultra like what now it's gone oled like does what do they do to keep justifying the like cuz these features have to trickle down into the what used to be considered premium like the the 6 to 700 dollar price point so like what do they do to keep a phone over $1000 going like that's where like is is this just some weird like like a uh, uh 20th anniversary mac like like that is this like the G4 cube is this the tra- like like what? no i i i think this is this is the new form factor. Well, sure, but I mean the price point that it's introduced at. Like, is this just like Apple made a one-off? Like this, you know, what we really wanted to show you a phone from two years in the future, except Samsung's currently selling it. Phone, and we this is the only price we could do it at. Yeah, I mean, I I, I could see that. I mean, shoot, think back to the original iPhone. I mean, they didn't they cut the price, but two hundred dollars, like three months into it or something. Uh, yeah, but that was. That was different. Like that. That was before app. Like I, I, I give them a pass on that just because like that. That was just that was so new. Well, I, well. So I, I guess I, I bring that up just in the sense that yeah, I, I could see, I could see them a year from now having this form factor slot back into like the you know air quotes regular regular priced iPhone. Sure, but I'm saying does. Is there something that replaces this in the thousand mm. dollar plus? I'm saying like, does Apple keep thinking that there's like that the top of the iPhone line costs twelve hundred dollars, costs eleven fifty? 
Yeah, that's that's a good question. Because because then like the market's going to freak out that average selling price of the iPhone went down because this product doesn't exist anymore. I think if they felt that way, I think the way they would do it would be to come out with a, a plus size version of this phone. But isn't that the whole point of this phone is that it's a plus size screen in a regular form? Like a... Well, but, you know, why not have a, you know, 6.5 inch screen in the size of the... 5.5 inch previous form factor you know morality <laughs> uh, because i guess uh, you know i guess actually that is something that we should call out here too which i guess i hadn't put a ton of thought into before the event but like surprised me but then also was like well yeah of course it's kind of the way it has to be is so you know technically on the diagonal this is a bigger screen than the the plus model but because it's narrower it actually acts like the smaller size screen. So what I mean is plus specific features like the um, horizontal home screen and the bigger keyboards with more keys. Like that kind of stuff isn't, isn't here. So this is not a shrunken down plus phone. This is a blown up non-plus phone. Which I, you know, I think some some hardcore plus phone users are probably going to be a little disappointed by. I'm I'm kind of neutral towards that stuff, but can can you elaborate? I don't. So the horizontal home screen, thank God. Um, but the keyboard thing, like, what do you mean? Well, I, I guess because of the notch. No, I think did Mike had said something. About, I thought about how the plus keyboard is is. I guess actually, you know what, you know what, no, I, I, I real time follow up here. I, 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 it's, it's more about not that the keys are different, but just that the screen is narrower. So it's just going to be physically different to type on. That's what it was. Yeah. But I mean, wouldn't that be made up kind of like, even if you're including the notch, wouldn't the, because it's a third of an inch bigger, doesn't that account for that? So therefore like the actual width is basically the seven plus. I don't know. Um, I think I think I'm talking more about it being narrower in portrait mode. Oh, certainly. Yeah. But, well, yes, but also, well, I, again, this is just me speaking out of just personal preference. But that was also one of the things that made the 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 plus models always a no go. Is that just like um, thumb reach was just impossible? So that actually that's a plus. So do you? Huh, nice. Um, <laughs> do you? So do you type most of the time in horizontal mode? I know. We could have a whole show about this. I my phone lives in uh, portrait lock all day, every day, unless I'm watching a video. Okay. I hate landscape mode so much, mm -hmm. and I hate the fact that you cannot like you have to like you would have to do the same thing on a plus because the fact that the home screen rotates on a on a on the plus models drives me insane because your apps aren't where you thought they would be. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so no, so like that, that is, it, it, for me, it's always one-handed use, one-handed typing um, in, in portrait mode. What do you think about the, the new gestures that are, are brought in because there's no, um, oh, by the way, there's no home button. We haven't even explicitly mentioned that. So as, as so, uh, a sucker who bought a Palm Pre Plus at full price, um, I, I'm intimately familiar with all these features already. Um. I, I think they, like, I, I joke that they've they've ripped off a bunch of stuff from Palm. They kind of have. But it's, 
kind of the only logical way that it could work. Um, it, it, yeah, like it's a gesture heavy phone, but also this is probably not going to be the entry level smartphone user phone. Um, so I think it makes general sense. I think it has a lot of, um, like, I think it's, it reaches parity kind of with how iOS 11 is going to work on the iPad. So I think it's the, like from UI consistency, um, from a UI consistency standpoint, it's pretty, it, it makes a lot of sense and it's kind of the only logical way you could do it. Um, I think multitasking, like, I mean, since like these, these literally come up the exact same way that WebOS cards did, like I, th- it makes sense. So uh, like my big gripe about the home button loss is that we're losing touch ID, um, which we already talked about. But I think otherwise, no, I think that's going to be something that people get used to in a day and it's going to be, it's going to be totally fine. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I mostly think so too, but there'll be a, a little bit of a learning curve. Yeah, like when this ultimately trickles down and becomes the default way that everybody uses the phone, because it, 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 it like once the iPhone 10 becomes the success of 2020, um, God willing, we make it that far. Like that's when like the people who are buying their first smartphone probably have difficulty with it because the home button was super smart in iPhone development because it was like this, like it was like this like bastion of safety where if you ever got confused on what the phone was doing, you just hit it and you're back to this grid of icons. And even if you're like an older person who thought like, where'd my app go? Or this is how I exit something, or this is like command Q, like you went home and everything was okay. So I think if that all becomes gesture based, certain people might have trouble with it. But I think like eventually it just becomes the way things are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? So, I mean, the camera, the camera features look pretty cool. Um, I continue to like, they keep pushing like the, 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 just what a phone camera can do. I like the way, like I always thought, well, I, I continue to think portrait mode is kind of a gimmicky thing, but I think the, like the new lighting effects and that kind of stuff, um, is a really smart way to use that like depth sensing technology. And I think like, cause am I wrong that portrait mode goes to the internet to figure stuff out or is that or was am i wrong like was it wasn't there a thing where like it there was some machine learning stuff where it that's how it knew what i no, I, th- I think it's all done on the phone okay um but yeah like they like all the stuff that they keep doing with um uh with like software combined with the hardware features to improve uh photo quality is is super cool um I'm really bummed that the uh, iPhone 8 regular doesn't have the the dual camera system, so it's not going to benefit from most of this stuff. But the iPhone 10 is going to get it image stabilization on both uh, both ca- uh, camera lenses, and even image stabilization and the depth effects on the front camera too. Like so, that's really really cool. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, super fast processor, six core uh, six core processor. That's gonna be very very nice. Oh well, they did. They said it was gonna be the battery life was gonna be like twenty percent better. Do you buy it? I mean, yeah, I guess I do. Um, is 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 that was that twenty percent better than the seven or the eight? They said two hours longer than the seven. So did so is the eight the same as the seven then? 
I don't know. Same processor. Yeah. Well, but I guess, I mean, OLED screens are a lot more power efficient, right? Kind of. They're, they're more power efficient when displaying black because that's their natural state. Well, but, but I mean, presumably, presumably a lot of black pixels are being displayed throughout normal use of a phone. So, Well, it depends. Uh, most of Apple's, because they, they didn't uh, introduce dark mode. So most of OS OS 10, most of iOS 11 is still white. So, and they're having to do like that, um, like anti-image retention uh, processing to try to not get burning on it. So, hmm. um, man, this notch. Um, status bars are going to be gigantic. Hmm. The one really smart thing uh, that I saw during the keynote when they were uh, demoing the iPhone 8, um, the fact that since because the home gesture um, means you can't invoke command center or control center from the bottom. The fact that you conjure that by swiping only on the right side of the uh, like title bar is actually really smart. Yeah, that, that is that is smart. Um, and something that I we had been commenting on while watching the keynote, but then I've sort of seen some further details on afterwards is... So one of the things I hadn't thought about with the notch was in landscape mode. <laughs> that was totally just going to get in the way of like when you're watching a video. Um, but it, it, it does turn out that by default, when you watch a video on the screen, the far edge ends where the notch begins. So you basically just have like a tiny little black bar on either side of the notch. So yes, and the, and the, the nice thing is that that's not a big, like there are two like, supporting reasons of why that like that's not a big deal so because oled like its natural state is black like you don't have like this weird like backlight thing where like that strip would annoy you and also like do you, what is the aspect ratio on this phone because it's wider than 16 by 9 right yeah i i don't know exactly i don't i don't think they called that out so but with that if you're watching widescreen video on this and you think oh i'm having to cut off a sliver for the notch like you're not actually losing any video if anything you're actually seeing more of the picture because it's not cropping the top hmm um what was the other thing but yeah i i think i've sent you some tweets and and please in the show notes embed the that 13 minute uh design consideration video because it has a ton of examples of just how weird stuff is going to look in landscape like specifically um, i think i put a screenshot in there of the way, like, if you're inputting a new calendar event on an all-white screen, of just how weird it is that they had to create, like, these gigantic safe, uh, safe zones on the left and right side of it, so that regardless of how you're holding it, the notch doesn't get in the way, and how pronounced and strange the notch looks on a white screen, which most of iOS still is. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that in a perfect world they would just have the notch not be there, but it it just needs to be there. Yeah. And that, you know, a few years from now, it will it will be gone. And we'll, we'll look back on this phone and be like, huh, remember when we had that silly notch at the top? Yeah. Uh, scrolling back in Slack a couple times, a couple of the good things that uh, either of us linked to. Um, also, like, because of the... Uh, substantial cost of this phone um this is actually going to push people towards the iphone upgrade program uh but as hunter walk uh suggested uh iphone upgrade program requires credit approval people who froze their credit because of the equifax breach are going to have to jump through a bunch of hoops yeah. so that's i look i kind of look forward to um 
if earnings do not go well, Apple's saying, uh, our sales were stifled by the fact that um, the Equifax breach meant people couldn't finance the phone. <laughs> like, I, I, Apple never breaks out the product mix, but ha- like, if you think, not globally, like just think of the United States, what do you think the sales mix is? I think it's 50 50. 7030 in favor of somebody buying either the iPhone 8 or the iPhone 10. Like again, like th- let's think outside our bubble. I would say maybe like 7030. I'm thinking 9010. I think so many people will have trouble swallowing the 1150. Yeah, but I but I think That's so many people, yeah, but so many people buy these phones on these monthly installment plans where it's, you know, it, it's a 10-ish dollar difference a month, which I'm not I'm I'm not putting judgment one way or the other whether or not that's a, a big difference. I'm just saying that when you break it down that way, it 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 allows people to overcome like when you say, oh, this costs $240 more, that sounds worse than saying, oh, it's only 10 extra dollars a month over two years, you know? I mean it shouldn't, but that that's just that's well, no, that, that, that's, that's psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I think I think because of that a lot of people will overlook the the price difference between the 8 and the 10. Yeah, this phone's going to be $54 a month. Oh yeah, I've, I've I've looked that up. And I think I'm paying I think I'm paying 42 maybe or 47 a month for my 7 plus. So, you know, I mean the 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 Ryan doctor man. You 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 know. I want I want the best. I want the best iPhone. I use it all day, every day. Yeah. Okay. I get. I I get. Uh, I don't disagree. Um. But I, I would I would also say that the the Ryan doctrine does not apply to everyone because not everyone views their phone as something that they see as being kind of central to their life every day. I do. Lots of people don't. In a lot of ways, I'm jealous of those people. Mm-hmm. So, you know. If you just delete Twitter, it gets better. <laughs> um, okay, what, what, we're running long, but what, what is, uh, what else is left unsaid about this? Or are there any other uh, straight points about this? Um, well, so I guess like just some other little tidbits. Um, iOS 11 coming out for the iPhone and iPad on Tuesday, the 19th. Uh, Mac OS High Sierra coming out on September 25th. That was not even mentioned during the event. I can't. I can't believe that Jason lost his perfect iPhone draft score because literally the word Mac was never used once during the presentation. It's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something that I'm pretty excited about that people spotted shortly before the event, which is that. Um, the iPhone upgrade program is now going to support having a new phone shipped to you and then you shipping your old phone back. Last year, which was the first year where the program was in effect with an actual you know, upgrade happening, you had to physically bring your own phone back to the Apple Store. So that's, a, I think, a huge improvement um, with that program. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy about that. Um, but yeah, looking through the looking through the links and the notes here, I, I think we 
kind of hit kind of hit all the other big points. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it. And emojis look silly, but that's just because I don't like fun. Right. Um. Well, I, this is one thing that you brought up offline that I, th- I think we'll talk about super briefly. Uh, you'd mentioned that you think you now only use, I think you said like 30% of what iMessage does. Do you think that continues to shrink? Or like as like is, is Animoji something that you would use on a regular basis? No, de- absolutely okay. not. Uh, it will be something that I try right when I get the phone sometime next March. And like when I want to like have a quick demo to people. And that's that's about it. Yeah. Again, it's it's for somebody. It's not for me, which or not for us, which is which is cool. But um yeah. Uh yeah, it does not come with USB C. That's so weird. <laughs> it is nice that they're including um six months of uh, Apple music to help convince people to that the price is okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was such a weird rumor. I know. Um to be honest, I'm most excited about the watch out of all of this. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's I guess it's pretty 50-50 between the watch and the phone for me. I, I'm I'm pretty excited about this new phone. But yeah, I, I think the, the watch is going to be the watch is going to be a big upgrade, though, with the caveat that out of the box cellular is just not going to be utilized in the way that I think we fully want it to. Like in in the in the world that I'm envisioning, where like all third party apps can like basically to the point where like the watch literally works the same away from my phone as it does with my phone. Like that's that's not going to be the case out of the box. Oh, no, not at all. But I, I'm I'm not sure that's ever the case. Eh, I, I think we'll get, we'll get close. But then the the watch apps have to start doing way way more, which I don't think people until like the install bases there, I really don't think people, developers are going to care. Cause I think developers feel burned. I think they feel burned like twice. Like remember when the watch came out and Apple gave them like a super half-assed SDK. And then when watch OS two came out, they had to rewrite them. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. And then after that, people still just didn't use them. So they just rewrote the app twice for an audience that doesn't care. It's be cool though. Sport loop is a bummer though. It's Velcro. Yeah, poor poor Mike thought it was magnets. He, oh, he, he oh must, he... I I I, <laughs> I yelled in the car. I didn't yell. Yeah. I'm like I was like, oh no. Oh. <laughs> I'm like I thought the same thing, man. Yeah, it's a tough break. Yeah. Okay. Uh, chef special. Chef special. Um, so you you're always a fan of TV show recommendations, and I think um in light of the Emmys which are coming up, and in light of the Apple TV 4K, this seemed like a good week to have a show pick be my chef special. And so my pick I kind of applies to all these things. The Emmys 4K um, is Stranger Things. Have you have you watched this yet? I have not because I don't know if it's scary or violent. It is not violent. Okay. It is scary in parts. And I, I and I would I guess the best way to describe it is I hate scary movies and scary TV shows, and I very very much enjoyed this show. Okay. So the the it is scary in parts, but but not in a not in a bad way. But if it's good scary, then that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's really it's really good. I you know also watched it in 4K using the built-in app on our Samsung TVs, and you know looked looked real nice. And yeah, it, it's a it's a good show. If I remember correctly, people said it had a really good soundtrack too. Or am I making yes. that up? Yes. Oh, yes. So, so the whole thing is is it's, it's from the eighties. Yeah, right? uh-huh. or it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of got an old school kind of vibe to it. Do they get the technology right? Or oh or yeah, like, oh yeah. yeah, like they they okay that's very good. very much yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it, it it's a perfect blend of scary and funny and I mean basically all the characters top to bottom are charming. And you you care about a lot of them. It's it, it's a it's a it's a really good and a really it's a really steady show. Like it's it's good, it's good really from like the first scene of episode one all the way through through the end. And it's it's the perfect time to get caught up because season two is coming out in October. Okay, cool. I'll take it under advisement. Yeah. Uh, so my pick is going to be, and, and this is going to require links in the show, so I hope you'll oblige, um, uh, Subaru car ads. <laughs> so I know it's a weird one, but uh, sometimes it's been, it's been a weird year, so you kind of need some some mental bleach sometimes. Because um, these, are, these are great commercials, but also they're sometimes really, really sad. Uh, so the one that prompted this, there's a new one. The ad is called Welcome to the Pack. Um, and it's a really heartwarming and sad and... Uh, I don't know how you describe it. A uh, commercial about a dog that doesn't want to accept its new, uh, its uh... human's partner. Yeah, thank you. Um, and he eventually uh, gives his girlfriend, his special lady friend, uh, a jacket, and the dog warms up to him, and it's super adorable. And there's also this other one that would that that like just broke me as a human being for like it was a few years old. Uh, but it's where a dog uh, he gets him as a puppy, and he has his old Subaru forever, and he the dog keeps aging in every single scene of the ad. And it's really adorable, and it's also sad because you know the dogs probably, yeah, yeah. But they're all really good, and and I don't know if you remember from a couple of Super Bowls ago, there was the one where it's like just the dog. It's like a there were like six different ads, but it was just the dog. It's like a dog family, and the dog drives the car, and there's a dog dad and a dog mom, and it's pretty. Oh cool. yeah, I, I do remember that one. Uh, but we yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put the, we'll put these Subaru ones um, in the notes. We've got them here. Yeah, they're 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 pretty good. They're totally free. No, no ultra premium. Uh, <laughs> no, no adapters. No dongles. No notches. It's, it's just uh, pure happiness, or sadness, depending on your perspective. 